Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else, however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning. Now, that would be a good movie night movie. How many of you have seen that before? That was the scene tradition from The Fiddler on the Roof. It was released in 1971 and was nominated for eight Academy Awards. Of the eight nominations, it won, including Best Cinematography, Best Mixed Sound, and Best Musical Score. The movie was based on the 1964 musical by that name and held the the record at the time for the longest-running musical on Broadway for almost 10 years and is currently the 17th longest-running musical in Broadway history. So there you have it. That would definitely be a a movie that we could watch for the entire family. Well, I intended to show that video a couple of weeks ago, and our technical difficulties prevented us from being able to do it. And that sermon was called Weddings of Weddings, Wardrobes, and Wineskins. And it was dealing with Jesus being asked about fasting. And he was asked, why why don't your disciples fast like we do? In other words... Why don't you and your disciples act like our religious people act around here? Don't you care about our traditions? Even though they didn't quite know why they did what they did. And Jesus responded to their questions, if you remember, with three different parables. And the parables went completely over their head because they didn't understand why they did what they did. And Jesus had no interest in upholding tradition and he didn't want to be associated with the people who cared more about that than anything else. Well, our text today picks up a few days later somewhere out in the Galilean countryside. The Pharisees confronted Jesus about observing one of the most traditional days on the Jewish calendar and that was the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 2, we're continuing our series in in the Gospel of Mark. Verse 23, Mark writes, One Sabbath day as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, His disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abathar was the high priest, and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priest were allowed to eat. 
And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Well, my title today, and this is one of those I was kind of struggling with, Have To versus Get To. A perspective of relationship. Hopefully I'll be able to explain this as we go along. It made sense to me earlier in the week, so, so you just have to bear with me. Now, so far according to Mark, there were only five disciples. There was Simon, who's also known as Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Levi, who's also known as Matthew. He hadn't called the other disciples yet, at least according to Mark. And they and Jesus were, were walking through a wheat field somewhere out in the countryside. Now Mark doesn't specify who, but somebody, while they were walking through the grain field, just reached down and picked some heads of grain and started rubbing them in their fingers and then started to eat. And incidentally, this was something that was explicitly allowed in Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25, it says, When you enter a neighbor's field of grain, you may pluck the heads of grain with your hand, but you must not harvest it with a sickle. Well, you know, if you're, if you're passing through somebody's field, I mean, how much can you eat? when you're just walking through and just passing through somebody's field. So it would make sense if you're walking through and you're hungry and you just pick off a couple. And, you know, kind of like whenever I was a kid, I couldn't wait until summer because the, the black, blackberries would, would show up, the dewberries or whatever, different names for them. And there weren't very many around where I was from. And, and, and it, I thought it was crazy. It, several years later, it seemed there, there's these baskets full of them. You know, it's like, where, where did all those come from, you know? But, but I, I would look all over the place. I'd go over, walk over to a friend's house, and then there were, a, there were a, a few places that I knew to look. And so I'd go along, and sometimes I'd even pick the green ones because I wanted them so bad. But, you know, it was, what's the harm in taking a couple of those, right? And, and this was something that, that the law even allowed for, that you could just walk through and just take a couple. But... There's a difference between taking it by hand and coming in with a sickle. Because, I mean, if you show up with some tools, you show up with a bag, you're going to take a few more than just, just maybe just a mouthful. Well, this was allowed in Scripture, but it happened to be on the Sabbath. And it seems like in, in the stories of Jesus, any time that, that Jesus is doing something on the Sabbath... The Pharisees are close by, ready to try to catch him in the middle of something. So they confronted Jesus. Your disciples are breaking the law. They're working on the Sabbath. Working? Walking? Working? They're harvesting grain is what the, the text says. Harvesting grain just with your fingers. It was a wild and unjustified accusation 
Because they didn't have any tools. They didn't have any bags. It was just a few guys walking through and just picking the heads of grain. The issue was, it wasn't the fact that they were going through the field. It wasn't the fact that they were, that they were walking through this field on, on, on the Sabbath. The issue was the tradition that had come to be associated with observing the Sabbath. It had been wildly out of proportion for years. Ordinary people were afraid of being called out for doing something wrong on the Sabbath. Something that the Pharisees would consider to be wrong. And so a lot of times people were even afraid to leave their homes. It's the Sabbath and they don't leave to go to the temple because they're afraid that they might somehow break the law on the way to the temple. And in this case, you're walking through a field and you pick some grain, despite the scriptural proof that you could do so. And so for my purposes this morning, I want to say that the Pharisees made the Sabbath a traditional have-to. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to not do this. You have to do it or not do it. Now, does anybody know what happens whenever you tell somebody you have to do something? You ever been in a position where you have to do that? Maybe you're a boss, supervisor. You have to mop the floors. You have to take out the trash. What happens? <laughs> they push back. You better believe it. Well, the Apostle Paul talks about this a little bit in his letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 7, he's talking about the law and the effect that it has on a person's will. And in verse 7 he says, Am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would have never known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetousness desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have any power. Isn't that an interesting concept? I mean, people talk about how brilliant the Apostle Paul was as a scholar, but that's a brilliant insight. The law aroused, this is his words, it aroused a desire to sin because of the sinful nature. The law, in other words, provokes us to sin. All of us who've had kids, you know, you've seen it play out. Tell your kids to do something. Don't go out there in that street. That's the what you turn your back and then, then they're in a dead run towards the street. So in regard to observing the Sabbath, doubling down on enforcing the law, and this is what the Pharisees were doing. They were doubling down on it. And they prided themselves in how stern they were in keeping the law. The Pharisees, in doing this, were actually driving people farther away from the Lord, from a relationship with God, causing them to dread the Lord's day. 
Now, I want us to, to look at what, what is recorded in the law, in the Ten Commandments. In the book of Exodus, this is what was recorded by Moses as received from on high from the Lord. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day He rested. And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So, here in, the, in this commandment, we see that God established a precedent. He worked for six days and then took the seventh day off to enjoy what He had done. The seventh day was different from the other six in that the Lord commanded everyone to rest and not to work. The command was to rest. Is that so hard? It is for a lot of us. And in making it a day of rest, it was also a day of worship. Enjoy the fruit of your labor and rest. And while you rest, remember what God has done for you. You might even say that resting or even sleeping is another way to worship God. I read a book a few, a few months ago called Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life, and it was talking about just what happens to people when they don't get enough sleep. And if you actually get enough sleep, and you, know, and you just, just kind of change how you, how you eat, because you know, sometimes we like to eat big meals before we go to sleep, and that it, somehow inter, it, it affects our ability to sleep at night. And, and just changing just a few things out of your schedule, you can actually be more healthy, you can actually feel more rested, and I, I've been playing with that, and it's, it's, it's kind of a struggle because we get in our habits, and it, it's really hard to, to make those changes whenever we just kind of we have our own routine. But I, I have found in, in trying to sleep more, in trying to rest more, that, that I, I, feel, I, I feel more con connected to the Lord sometimes. So in, in regard to resting on the Lord's day, in, in this day of rest, it's another way of worshiping God. I, I, I kind of like that. The Sabbath was the original get-to. You don't have to do this. You actually get to rest. You actually get to worship. You actually get to Enjoy the presence of the Lord. And that's what was in, intended from the very beginning. Everybody gets to rest and enjoy a day with God. Now, it, it's interesting to me that the Pharisees confront Jesus 
and the disciples as if they didn't know what day it was. You're doing this on the Sabbath. You know that, right? Now, Jesus' custom with His disciples, rather than riding donkeys or riding some kind of animal, they walked wherever they went. You might have heard a joke about that, but I won't won't tell that right now because I'll probably ruin it. But they walked from place to place. And and one of the neat things that that allowed for him and his disciples was as they walked along, Jesus would teach them. And they would talk about things regarding the kingdom of God. And he would explain things to them during those times that he wouldn't explain to the rest of the people who, who would gather around them. And this particular day was the Lord's Day. And they were spending their day with God Himself. Think about that just for a minute. They're walking and talking with God Himself. This is like what what Adam and Eve enjoyed in Eden. They're walking along. They're enjoying the presence of Jesus. And then they walk through a field. And they had themselves a little snack along the way. Now, that's my kind of worship. If there's some food involved, you know, it, it's just, it just makes it all complete. Well, in the previous passage, the one that I, that I used for the, the sermon a couple of weeks ago, when Jesus was confronted about His disciples' lack of fasting, Jesus told His accusers, the wedding guests won't, won't fast in the presence of the groom. They're they're celebrating the fact that He is there. Well, fasting from eating grain while walking through a wheat field would have been quite a temptation. It's kind of like going down the candy aisle at at HEB and you're on a diet. Well, it's kind of hard to say no to those those Snickers and the little little squares. You know, I, I, I like Snickers. Well, In this case, they're walking through the field. It's there. God's Word allows it. So, why why not eat it? Well, I want to just leave with you this example that Jesus used to respond to that allegation about His his disciples eating these grains on on the, the Sabbath. It's taken from 1 Samuel chapter 21. And I won't read it. If, you, if, if anybody would like some homework, whenever you get home this afternoon or maybe sometime this week, just read through 1 Samuel chapter 21, and it tells the entire story. But I'll, I'll just kind of summarize a little bit. This is the time whenever David was on the run from King Saul. If you remember, David had been anointed king, but Saul had been wicked, and, and the Lord had told him, I'm going to take the throne away from you. Well, that just made Saul that more determined to hold on to the throne. And so he tried to fortify himself. And, and part of fortifying himself was trying to hunt David down. So David is going from, from field to field, from cave to cave. And he's, he's trying to stay one step ahead of Saul and, and his armies. Well, at one point, David decides to come back to the temple. And at this point, they've been on the run, and I'm I'm guessing they probably haven't eaten in a couple of days. 
And so he and his men come to the temple and they meet up with Abathar, the priest. And they ask him, is there anything here to eat? We're hungry. And Abathar said, the only thing I have is what was called the bread of the presence. Twelve loaves of bread that was prepared, laid before the Lord, and offered up as a sacrifice. And after it had been sacrificed, offered to the Lord, then the priests would eat it together. Well, as an act of worship, and this was an act of worship, Abathar worshiping the Lord, he honored the true king and gave him the bread that had been reserved for the priests. And in doing that, it ended up costing Abathar his life because there was one of Saul's spies who happened to be there and he just happened to see that David had come in and that they left with the food and he reported it back to the king and, and Saul had him killed. Now, why in the world would Jesus use an example like that to justify what He and His disciples were doing on the Sabbath those hundreds of years later? Well, His response was this. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. People were not made to meet the requirements of the the Sabbath. And by this time, most of these requirements were actually rules that, that men had made up, had added on to the law. The Pharisees themselves added on to the law, which made it more restrictive and made it almost impossible for the people to be able to worship in freedom. And what Jesus was actually saying in, in telling them that that the Sabbath was made for the people, that human need supersedes observance of ritual and tradition. Now, what would you think are the greatest needs in our society today? Think about it. What, what do you think... If, if someone took a survey, what would, what would be at the top of the list of human need in our society? That's one of them. Food. Several surveys have rest and relationship at the very top of people's needs in our society. People are very tired and very lonely today. Think about it. People are working harder than they ever have. They spend, they spend 10, 12, 15 hours a day on a job that they really don't like, and they're working harder than they've ever worked because what am I going to do if I lose this job? And they continue to work and they continue to work, and that puts strain on their relationships. And they spend time with people that they really don't want to spend their time with, the people that they like to spend their time with, with their families, with their friends. They're unable to do so because they're restricted by the demands of their employment, by the demands of their job, by the demands of their life. And so they find themselves in a place that, where they're just perpetually tired, exhausted, 
feeling like they can't keep up and they're extremely lonely. Jesus told the Pharisees that day that He, the Son of Man, was the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus is the Lord of rest and the Lord of relationship. So, relationship with Jesus is the ultimate get-to. We get to spend time with Him. We get to know the God that we long to worship and the, the, God, the God that we long to know us. And I find that it's no coincidence that Jesus said later in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you, because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. He said that over 2,000 years ago, but it's still true today. And He stands ready to meet us and to bring us into this yoke where He's taking the burden on Himself. You know, how the yoke works, that, that's, they, there's usually two animals that are in there and they're, they're bearing that, that load together. Well, the yoke that Jesus has for us is the light yoke where He's taking the burden on Himself. And we just, we get to walk along with Him. Well, it's my hope today that you would get to find rest. That you'd get to experience a relationship with Jesus. Because He stands ready to receive Him unto Himself. Can we stand together this morning?